Hello, um, I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic, and you're listening to Genuine Chit Chat. Hello there, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I am joined by Gerardo Urias. Now, the reason Gerardo wanted to come on the show is because he had a very interesting, life-changing experience using psilocybin mushrooms, or terms magic mushrooms, everyone generally knows what they are, and he basically wrote a book about it. So I had him on the show, he goes through his experiences with psychedelics and other drugs, he goes through his life, and when he got to sort of the lowest point, why he was then depressed and had suicidal thoughts and things, and then how the psilocybin mushrooms changed his perspective and where he's going from there. We go on a few tangents about things such as uh, alcohol and or drugs in general, but generally that's the kind of line that we stick to. It's a really, really interesting conversation and Gerardo was really, really honest with us and I really, really appreciate that. And there's just links in the description to his social media, his website, and even a link if you find his book on Amazon, which is Taking Back My Mind. You can read the first sort of chapter or so uh, using you know Amazon's sample stuff. So you can check that out, which I would really, really recommend to people. And then obviously go pick up his book. There will also be a video version of this uploaded to YouTube. I must pre-warn people that in this conversation itself, I did have a bit of a cold, so I look a little bit worse for wear, and you can hear at points in the conversation that my throat is a little bit croaky, and towards the end I do cough a little bit. But aside from that, everything should be fine. So if you want to watch the video version of this conversation, uh, then it should be uploaded to YouTube within 24 hours of this audio version being uploaded to the podcast feed, so you can check that out. But that's going to be enough from me at the moment, my friends. So here is the conversation with Gerardo Urias, and I'll be back at the end to give you guys more information on what's coming up and those sorts of things. So, uh, here we go. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people, and I'm your host, Mike Burton. So I am here uh, with Gerardo, and I'm going to let you pronounce your full name in a second, um, but you've got a book that you released in late December 2020. So I thought, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us the name of your book, and we can kind of go from there. Absolutely. Yeah, my name is Gerardo Urias in Spanish, um, or Gerardo Urias in English. I grew up in San Diego, so um, I went to school in San Diego. So I got used to saying Gerardo Urias for people, because Gerardo Urias is a bit a bit difficult um, for some people. Hmm. So... Um, but I go by both. I go okay. by both. Yeah. No pressure at all. And uh, so your your book itself, uh, the focal point is uh, psilocybin mushrooms, and it's obviously called Taking Back My Mind. But it's there's more to it than that. So if you could uh, say the entire book name and sort of we'll start with that. What, what kind of made well, actually with your entire story? Because obviously, where I've listened to other shows of with you, your your entire story of how you got to the point of writing a book is so interesting so if you could tell us what the full name of your book is and then we'll go to the start of sort of your uh your first experience we say with uh, mm-hmm. psilocybin mushrooms and how you kind of started that and we'll, we'll kind of go from there if you could uh, please take us there absolutely yeah so my book is called taking back my mind my journey out of depression with psilocybin mushrooms um this is the book right here perfect and it's um yeah it revolves around my entire journey from when my life was saved um, out of severe depression um, a few years ago. Uh, so I was 41 at the time. Um, I hadn't done psychedelics for a long time, but as you mentioned, I was living in Germany when I turned um, 19. I, me and some friends moved to Germany. And th- that time was the first time that I had psychedelic experiences. Um, the very first time I did mushrooms was when I was 18 in high school. Um, and it's interesting. I've been reflecting back on all these early experiences and how they really did have an effect on me and um, 
sort of just shifted my perspective a bit. Really uh, embedded this love of nature um, into my heart. And uh, yeah, and I, 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 we had some incredible, incredible times over there. So that was the very first time, three years or so over there of uh, just living the life and, and just living an absolutely magical life in, in the Bavarian Alps. I mean, I can't even tell you how, how perfect it was. Um, and then I came back to the States and then that's when the psychedelics kind of fell to the wayside and, and, um, and I didn't do them again until, you know, the recent events. Mm. Brilliant. That's a very good summary of it. And so I want to ask when you, um, we'll kind of jump around a little bit, uh, in your sort of timeline of events, but one thing I want to pick up on, because I know we'll get into a more in-depth conversation, I may forget to bring it up, is drinking culture. And that's mm-hmm. something which is, you know, in the Western world, drinking is a, a large part of the main social dynamic of a lot of uh, groups and things. And because it's the main legal drug of the majority of the Western world and things. So when you went to Europe, you obviously doing more um, drugs and less drinking and then when you you know drug is a very broad term uh, but when you moved to right, the us obviously right. you did less what mm-hmm. with the drinking element did you find that the culture of drinking of the places that you visited in europe was different to that of the us or were there more sort of similarities um you know i was in my early 20s back then so i was viewing the world through a a very different lens mm. and a very magical young lens you know so I wasn't looking at the world as I am now sort of observing um, things that are wrong with society and how mm-hmm. that affects people and how it affects me, things like that. Um, I was just like raging. I was partying. I was um, doing it all. So I didn't, it didn't seem like anything was, was wrong about the drinking culture over there. Um, it's a lot of fun, <laughs> you know, a lot of fun. Um, but I still did notice a little bit of a difference in, in the best way I could describe, I guess, is, in the U.S., drinking culture is sort of just a little bit darker, more of a more of an escape um, from daily life, escape from stress. Hmm. Um, it's a little more mm, abrasive of a of a thing to do. Whereas it seemed in Europe, it was very much part of the culture and, and more lighthearted, more of an enjoyment, um, you know, celebration as opposed to escape. Hmm. Um, and I kind of noticed that back then for sure. Now I clearly see that that's a big difference there in the U.S. It's it's a huge escape um, mm-hmm. tool is what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair way of putting it. And I think in England we've got a more we've got kind of a mix. You know, when I go to Europe, it's even different for someone uh, who lives in England and things, because over here you do have the there's the darker element of things where you go to certain pubs quite early in the morning and there's someone who's there and has been there who will be there all day by themselves. And I'm not trying to make a, a judgment on someone's life, but when there's a large group of individuals like that, one has to assume that a certain percentage of them, uh, if they're there all the time and you constantly see them, they may have an issue with drinking. Uh, and right. I'm not trying to pass judgment on anyone like that, but there are obviously the party elements and there's negative elements to those parts as well. And I do find that with the drinking culture in the UK is a lot of, some of my friends don't drink, not because they've had issues with drinking, just because they don't enjoy the feeling they get when they drink alcohol and whatnot. And there are elements where people are, they ask a lot of questions about it. And it seems to be something that is considered like, not necessarily wrong, but do you know what I'm saying there? Where there's, there, there's judgment. There's judgment. If you decide just to be like, oh, I just don't drink. There's always, there's a lot of the time that kind of okay. interaction. I don't know if you experienced that at all uh, in your life, delving quite personal into your life, if you're willing to uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, now 
at this age and this stage of, in life, I, I, of course, I noticed it so much, you know, back then again, I was young and I was enjoying it. I was a part of it. Um, but now, um, and after I've done a lot of thinking, a lot of analyzing and, and a lot of reflecting on my own life and the periods where there was a lot of alcohol, the periods that weren't, you know, uh, and it tends to be when I'm doing psychedelics, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of drinking. It's kind of either or, you know, um, that's why it works for addiction um, mm. so well. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I've, it's, it's really difficult because it's such a fabric of society. Um, I have a really hard time with it right now currently just to be social and to not drink it's um it's really hard everything revolves around food and drink of course you know um even food uh i'm very big on nutrition a lot of my book talks about nutrition and, and health and you have to feed yourself optimally to perform optimally and um there's a lot of eating <laughs> that goes on in gatherings and things like that it's not necessarily the healthiest food you know um so it's hard to be social and just eliminate these things that have a really negative effect a lot of times and alcohol is one of the big ones you know it's mm. just such a fabric of our modern society and especially in the united states i'm um, europe as well you know i think most of the modern world um and it's hard to ditch because alcohol has been part of our existence just as as much as the mushrooms and psychedelics have it's all of humanity there's been you know, symbiosis with alcohol. Um, we have this attraction to ethanol for some reason. I just read an article that they're theorizing that it may be um, the need for fermentation of fermented foods. And so we, that's why it's appealing to us. And that's why it's in our life, you know. So it's, it's hard. It's hard to deal with because it's part of humanity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've touched on a lot of things there. And I agree completely. It is, it is one of those... Uh, is that one of those drugs that transcends time through there's a lot of evidence to show that a lot of the other drugs that we use obviously a lot of them were quite young in the last century or so things like acid in the, in the current form and certain elements like that and things like cocaine that primarily in the form we know them as have to be made that way as opposed to you know the early days of chewing coca leaves and things like that is a way of right. doing cocaine but you know i'm trying to get out the sort of there's certain drugs of the last century that have come together because of the technology to create them and then there's other ones which have been you know mainly grown ones and you know sort of air quotes natural ones like cannabis and right. mushrooms which have been along for a long time and fermenting grain essentially and, and other items to create a juice that you can or liquid that you can drink that's gone right. through across cultures across the entire world and with these other drugs it's peculiar i understand some of the reasoning why not to get to the huge political side of things necessarily yet but i understand that a lot of it is political and the reason that see these drugs are allowed and these drugs aren't allowed completely changes things so if we go back to your journey and so if we kick off you obviously you came back from germany and traveling around europe and you had a great time there and then you came or you went over to was it uh california or was it mexico at that time uh that was San Diego, California. Yeah, we mm. turned back to San Diego. Go ahead. So please uh, take us there and uh, tell us as much of your journey as you're willing to share. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's great because I don't talk about this part of my life much with interviews because uh, obviously uh, we dive deep into the book and, and psychedelics, things like that. Um, but I've been really thinking a lot about this stuff. And, and those years were so formative for, your, for me. You know, it was, it was so, it was, it's the first chapter of my book. And so I do go into it. But um though they were just the the most insanely magical times of my life you know i was just in this snow globe in in bavaria um 
loving life. Everything, I mean, it really was, it looked like a snow globe, the most beautiful place on earth. And I uh, wake up every day, go skiing and, and uh, you know, ex- again, started experimenting with psychedelics, with mushrooms, things like that. And I was very healthy. Uh, I was, that's when I really fell in love with skiing, which is another facet of me and my life is, um, you know, the, the more you get to know me, the more you realize all of these other things are hugely important, just like psychedelics, you know, skiing for me is, is abs- even better. Like skiing a deep powder day for me is the absolute best, best, best thing medicine in the world, hmm. far beyond even psychedelics, far beyond anything at all. And it's, I talk about it in the book. It's because of flow state. It's because of what happens in your body and your brain when you're getting into these um, sports that you enjoy and, and, and that you become better at, you know? So when you get into this flow state, that's the optimal form of existence really you know um even down to the biology of how your brain is functioning um stephen kotler uh is great at um his research um the uh the flow state collective research i believe it's called and we're uncovering some incredible science incredible flow science um what we can see in the brain and so i i i um fell in love with with skiing and so i turned into a complete hardcore ski bump for that time that i was in germany um, and then I came back to San Diego, um, not quite sure what to do. You know, and the reason I left Germany was I was there for three years and I was just having a blast. And I was 21, 22, and I was thinking that I should go back to school or something. <laughs> I should do something Be responsible. responsible right? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that responsibility itch, right? Um, that is just in hindsight, it was like such a aimless um, stupid move. <laughs> I was living the dream, you know, I don't know why I ever left, but I did. And so I came back to San Diego. Um, I couldn't stay away from the mountains though. So I moved immediately to Utah. So moved to the mountains. I think I was just in San Diego a few months. I moved back with my girlfriend at the time who lived, who I met in Germany. Um, and so we started a little life here, uh, went to Utah, spent a few winters there. Um, and then we moved to Hawaii. So I was bouncing between uh, the mountains in Utah and then Hawaii in the summer. Um, and then eventually ended up back in San Diego after a few years of that. Uh, still with that kind of itch. So I kind of came back here to do the same thing I was doing in Germany because it was the flow state, you know. Um, my life has kind of been an inadvertent uh, experiment in flow state living now that I think about it. Because I just haven't been able to stay away from the mountains, from surfing, from nature, from all this stuff. And my life has been that. It has been just going back to the mountains, leaving, going back to the beach and all that, you know. So that was the next 10 years of my life I spent in in Utah, San Diego. Um, In San Diego, once that kind of settled, um, I started getting into the restaurant business. I started bartending, right? So talking about alcohol, that's where I kind of started getting into the party scene. The exposure to that, the exposure to the um, the bar scene and the alcohol scene, uh, did what it does, and eventually my relationship, which is was a very very wonderful, beautiful relationship, crumbled um, under the pressure of everything. And uh, then I kind of hit a low po- a point in my life, and then again I decided I got to get out of here. I got to go back to the mountains. So then I moved to Lake Tahoe. I did a few years in Lake Tahoe, and again when I'm in the mountains, I'm thriving. When I'm in nature, when I can get to that flow state. Um, you know, it, it's my medicine. And this was the period that I wasn't doing psychedelics. Mm-hmm. So that was my medicine. I, I didn't really realize it at the time. I just was going with my gut, my intuition. And I just, I knew I was happy when I'm skiing. I'm happy when I'm surfing, you know? And so that took its words, but the, the party and all that, I just became, you know, I'm working in a restaurant and bartender server. So it's a party and it is fun. Um, I was young and, and you meet uh, a lot of people, you know, I've had several relationships, um, 
it was just that life, but it was a lot of drinking and the drinking kind of got, <clears throat> got worse and worse. And then eventually I met a girl uh, that I married, at, you know, met a girl at work and we ended up getting married. Um, we sort of adopted this kind of nomadic lifestyle that I have always lived really. Um, and we shortly after getting married, we were, we were, um, just sick of the grind, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, that's why we met too. It was, we're both kind of have that personality of like, we don't want the regular life, the regular grind. We both love traveling. Travel is pretty much what brought us together. So we made a plan and we were like, Hey, let's, we had both had good jobs, you know? And we're like, let's save our money and, and, um, just hit the road, get out of here, sell everything. And that's what we did. Made a plan, sold everything here took off to Panama to start a business, ended up the next four years um, traveling throughout Central America and Mexico and trying different businesses, um, started kind of a tour business and um, was trying to do like adventure tours down there. Ended up in Mexico um, rent, doing a vacation rental business. Um, was very good, very lucrative. And, and it was kind of like I had found how to live the life that I love living, right? Mm-hmm. I, the four hour work week, you know, that's kind of that book from Tim Ferriss sparked that idea. Um, and that actually led to all that whole move. And so I, I thought, yes, you know, we achieved the four hour work week, had it made. And then at that point, I'm at the top, you know, on top of the world, I had everything, everything, living a few blocks from the Caribbean and life was just perfect. And then that's when everything fell apart. And then that's where the book takes over. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, very, that's very eloquently put. Again, it's, yeah, I mean, life, I guess life is just always kind of teaching people lessons in, in some very unpleasant way a lot of the times. And I know obviously where the story is about to go from here, I want to uh, chime in and say uh, I have actually somewhat had a similar experience because I lost my dad. Uh, I actually lost him nearly 10 years ago now. Uh, and so the experience of going through that and then how my relationship with uh psychedelics and other things in my life shifted quite heavily uh, in a variety of different ways i didn't actually expect and so i've been very open about it on the podcast i've done whole episodes um, about it and talking to other individuals and it's always something which whenever people and obviously you in other podcasts i've heard have spoken about it and whenever people speak about uh the death of a loved one it's always something that I think I would never push anyone into, but obviously when people are willing to speak about it, I think it's such an important thing because unfortunately everyone's going to go through it at some point and everyone processes it slightly differently. And I think we can learn various lessons from each other and your journey in particular, linking in with the book as well, I think is one that people would very much benefit from hearing. So if you want to take us through now from where you just left off in your story and where the story goes with obviously me somewhat spoiling it but um yeah going into uh, as much as you're willing to discuss once again and we'll kind of go from there yeah definitely definitely so i took you to um after getting married after achieving everything so i'm living in mexico in playa del carmen um we have our business automated and everything's going really smooth you know uh, my 40th birthday my wife and a, a best friend from high school planned a, a Europe trip uh, to go back to the place we used to live, you know, 20 years ago that I was just telling you about. And uh, so they planned this epic uh, ski, surprise ski trip for me and him to go and just do, you know, go ski the old mountains, um, hit the old spots. And so we did that and it was epic. It was, it was so amazing going down memory lane for two weeks in, in Garmisch Park and Kitchen is called in, in Southern Bavaria. Mm. And oh, it was just like, 
I mean, especially those two weeks, I was just, I was so on top of the world. I just thought, wow, you know, I've got, I'm living on the beach in Mexico, this beautiful wife, um, business is great. I'm skiing in the Alps with my best friend in the place that I used to live and, and, and just, it was surreal. It was absolutely surreal, you know? And so that happened and we had a great time and everything was awesome. And, and, uh, immediately when I got back to Cancun though, back home, um, issues started and I started, I noticed that something was, was off with the marriage, you know, like really off. Mm -hmm. And so it became very apparent that there was an issue and, um, you know, things took its course and within my God, one day, yeah, within one day we got in a fight and, you know, just to sum up like what happened is, um, I was unaware of the wrath of the ego. Um, this is kind of what my life is all about now, what the book is all about, you know, and I'm, so I've, wow, Hey, I discovered my ego. Um, and my ego was in full complete control of our life. And, and so was hers. And we both had strong egos. Um, we both grew up with challenges and very similar challenges too. Um, she was half Mexican. Um, I'm full Mexican, but very much we had a lot in common that way. So we had a lot of challenges and, and they, they come out in ego, you know? And so it was a battle of the egos and it just got to a, um, a breaking point. So, um, it was very abrupt within a few days. Um, she was out of the apartment. And so then I was all of a sudden just from top of the world, you know, in, in um, uh, Europe skiing all over the place and, and just living life to coming back home and then empty apartment. I'm not sure what to do. So then that's where everything tanked. That's where my, my mental health really started tanking. And I, I just, I was lost, totally lost. I had no idea what to do. I, I really didn't see it coming, you know? And so I decided to go home uh, for a little bit and go hang out with my brother. My brother and I have always been very close. Um, and so I did that, went home. And then uh, two days after I got there, uh, my sister called and my dad had a stroke and it was a pretty bad one. And so I'm, you know, trying to figure out what to do. And then now we have this and he ended up passing away two weeks later. And so those two weeks I was dealing with those two things, you know, and then the health issue, uh, the same weeks that I realized I was going deaf. I didn't, I had this condition that progressed slowly. So I didn't really notice it for quite a while. You know, I was progressing for a few years, but I was, I was really close to deaf. Um, by the time I went to get checked out, uh, mm -hmm. by the doctor and that was during these few weeks and so everything every you know everything happens in threes yeah, yeah. and it just it just rained on me it just whew, life really just took a big shit storm on me and so i couldn't handle it i couldn't i did just i lost it you know and so i suffered immensely for the next um 10 months suffered immensely and just couldn't find the purpose in life i couldn't find mm, why to continue um, if I, you know, if I just had everything that I've ever really dreamed of and it got all can vanish just like that, I was thinking, well, what's the point? Hmm. What's the point to put so much effort? You know, there was my life's work to like get to where I was. And so I thought, what's the point in all this effort? It's just, it can just crumble again, you know? And so that's where I was and there was no getting out of that. And that, and then it was just downhill, downhill, downhill. And the, the the loops and the thought patterns and the ruminations just got worse and worse and eventually I started having suicidal ideations um uh, and yeah i just didn't want to live anymore and it was you know i went to the hospital several times um my panic attacks had things like that um i ended up in jail because of an incident with alcohol um during this time as well i was you know i was drinking quite a bit because it was just too much to handle yeah and it was just every the classic 
the classic steps, you know, down, just down the rabbit hole of, of depression and mental health. So after the jail incident, my brother, a few days after that, he suggested I try magic mushrooms. And um, though I had learned, I had heard about that and heard about the application of psychedelics for mental health. Um, I started reading about that. So I was aware of it, but I just didn't put two and two together. I didn't think it would work. I, I just kind of did it just because I was really low with motivation these days. I, I didn't care about anything, you know? So he said, Hey, want to try this? I said, sure, sure. Let's try it. So he came over uh, with uh, some mushrooms on December 22nd, 2017. That day changed everything. You know, in the morning we ate a few mushrooms and took a walk on the beach. And, and that is what happened. That, that right there, and <laughs> that beach walk fixed everything with about an hour, and not even you know I say twenty four hours because that's what it is, and in, in actuality it's it's just a complete shift of everything. So I'm still on this journey, and I will be forever, you know. But I w- I would say that within an hour of eating those mushrooms, the feeling of dread and that feeling of not wanting to live, and the feeling of um, just utter loneliness and sadness that literally dissipated just dissipated, just kind of dissolved and got filled in with euphoria with that, that mushroom euphoria that I hadn't had in 20 years, you know? Um, but my body remembered it. They remembered it and it felt really good. And I thought, wow, I remember this feeling. And I thought, Oh man, this feels good. You know, I felt good for the first time and I had given up on feeling good. <laughs> like it wasn't, I had accepted that I was never going to feel joy again, (laughs) you know? And so all of a sudden that's gone. And this euphoria, physical, physical euphoria just floods me. And then it got over the next hour, it got stronger and stronger. And then everything was gone except the now, what was happening now. And we were on the beach. It was a beautiful day. It just turned into like the most magical beach day. And uh, we had an amazing magical day. Did that, went to sleep. The next morning, woke up, felt good. Wasn't sure what to expect. Sort of walked around the next few days, kind of like hmm, apprehensive, like, is it coming back? And after a few days, I realized, you know, it was gone. And I was, I was like, wow, I, I can't believe it. And so I started researching it. Um, I started journaling. Um, philosophy is another aspect of the book that entered my life right then and there just perfectly you know everything comes in threes i had psychedelics this breathing technique that i talk a lot about in the book and philosophy these are the three pillars of my book and these three things entered my life in the same week and so i started journaling and and writing and researching writing notes and with that journal those notes turned into into my book and so that's what this is is a collection of of how i put everything together and, and um, so I could use it myself. So it's my own guide, you know, everything I learned on how to methodically use all this stuff and how to piece it all together. Um, and I, w- when I realized what I had, I thought, okay, this, I can turn this into a book. And, and that's what, yeah, that's the story of the book. <laughs> it's perfect. And I mean, there's so many elements that I want to uh, pick up on there, including some things I heard you speak about on other podcasts. But just while mm-hmm. I'm remembering it is um, the breathing exercise. Uh, you mentioned Wim Hof in your book. Right. And it's very interesting because um, when I read sort of part of your book, I... Um, I the, in the last week or two at work, it just got mentioned again about Wim Hof out of nowhere. 
and I was like, oh yeah, because I've known about him uh, previously due to other podcasts and obviously the many world record attempts and crazy stuff right. that he's got up to. And so right, when I, right. it's weird that I was like, oh yeah, breathing exercises. And I do meditation myself, but I do the very low key, just breathing exercise, you know, watch my breath sort of thing. I do that pretty much every night to help me sleep. Uh, and I do it sometimes at work from stress. But breathing is something that is so heavily underrated in such a bizarre way and how it can have such an effect on someone like if i've had it before where uh, partners or friends of mine have had like started to have panic attacks or anxiety issues and if you can get their breathing regulated you can change how they are feeling and how they their bodies are interpreting things so please tell us a little bit about uh, the, the breathing method and if you had known about obviously you said you kind of came across it in this amazing sort of week so please tell us about some of the breathing method yeah, yeah, it is a huge part of my life, a huge part of my book, um, and it's called the Wim Hof Method, the the technique that popped into my life, and that's a, a really cool, beautiful story that I include in the book too, this guy that I just met online that helped me out during these months, that he really mm, just talked to me uh, and helped me during some pretty dark moments, you know, and he kind of became my little mentor, Um and he's the one who suggested it after talking to him for a few months. Um, he, I, I, he would help, but I, could, I just couldn't get out of the, the slump, you know. And uh, so he said, oh, you know what? He kept talking about presence, about achieving mm-hmm. presence and being, um, you know, paying attention to your breath and connecting with your breath and all that. So I understood the concept, um, but I just wasn't able to do it. And so that's when he sent me the video to Wim Hof. And he said, hey, try this. Um, this is a technique that can help in getting you out of your head. And, you know, he, it's so mystical how all this all happened. It's kind of detailed. I won't go into all the details, but, you know, I've never met this guy, first of all. Um, I don't, he, I've never met him. Um, he just said, oh, popped up on my computer, <laughs> said all the right things at the right times, introduced me to this breathing technique. And then I still haven't met him, you know, um, just amazing. Yeah. And so I immediately I opened up the app that he sent. I tried it out and I felt really good. I felt kind of that little buzz and I thought, Ooh, that, that was before, that was about a week before the mushroom journey. So that was actually the first thing that mm. started shifting something in my mind. Yeah. Um, that was the first thing, the very first feeling that was different from just total sadness. And I, I thought, Oh, this is pretty cool. You know? And so I, I did it a few times throughout that week. And I felt good. I, and I absolutely knew I was on to something there, but I was still very low motivation. I was still just kind of half-assing it. I wasn't really putting 100% into the breathing technique, you know. Uh, and then a week later, when my brother and I ate the mushrooms and I felt really good, I remembered the breathing technique and I tried it. And I thought, hey, you know, there's that breathing technique. I'm going to try that. And I did it. And it just, whew, it took me uh, out into... So I've done a lot of research on this now and into DMT realm, you know. So this breathing technique induces DMT, which mm-hmm. we all make, all mammals make DMT. Dimethyltryptamine. Dimethyltryptamine, yeah. Yeah. It's I know a very, small uh, amount about it. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I, I'm fascinated by it. I am writing a second book, a follow-up book to Taking Back My Mind, and this is going to revolve around DMT and around the lessons I've learned lately. Um, I am filming a documentary about this too. Mm. I was just down in Mexico to DMT retreat and had the most wild experience and filmed it all. It's going to be just mind blowing. It's, oh man. Yeah. DMT is huge 
it's 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 a big part of my life now. Um, so I've been researching a lot, of, you know. And so I, I kind of got into that realm because there's a, a very powerful synergy that occurs when you're doing the breath work and you're on psilocybin. Um, I firmly believe that it it releases DMT because of that synergy. You know, we, I don't think we have the science right now to prove that specific, you know, combination. I would love to see that though. And it's kind of my goal. So I felt <laughs> yeah, it's, in, it's just an incredible feeling. And, and so since then I was really hooked and I realized the power that it had. So I did the breath work quite a few times. I showed my brother, we both did it on the beach, on the sand, just a beautiful setting. You know, it's the best place to do breath work is, is uh, at the beach with the, the sound of the waves and, and just get lost in breath. You know, it's, it's so, so powerful and magical. And that day we did it a few times. The next day I started doing it. And then I just started doing it every day. And and really, well, after that, I wasn't depressed anymore. So I had motivation and I had a lot of energy and I would give it 100%. And I went deep with it. And it, it immediately started really activating all these systems that I now feel like I, because I, I really haven't missed too many days in the last four years of the breath work. It was that, it was that powerful that um, um, it just, I, I became immediately committed to just that was the new routine you know and then i developed my a routine where i in the first thing in the morning you know i roll out the yoga mat and then do a little bit of yoga meditation do this breath work um and then jump jump in the ocean or a nice cold bath and then you're feeling like a million bucks you know it, it's just incredible and you do that every day and then your baseline of how you feel starts to raise because you feel good all the time and then life just keeps getting better and better you know and so that's what the breath work offers is um there's so much I could say about the breathwork. I mean, it's so detailed and there's so, so much, but, and new science as well is emerging every day. Um, <clears throat> just as far as health, you know, and that's one of the big messages in my book is uh, the psychedelics are extremely powerful and they are life-changing. Um, breath is as well. And, mm. and breath, is, breath is accessible. Breath is not illegal. <laughs> not yet. Um, <laughs> not until they figure out a way to monetize air, but um, you know, it's, Every single person has access to this state, which is the same. I can get to a very psychedelic state through breathwork alone. Um, so, you know, it has the, the potential of, um, of altering your mind as well. It has, breath has the potential to do everything that psychedelics do, you know, and it's kind of where it leads you. That's where it's led me. It's led, where it leads most people. If you look back at the history of psychedelics and, you know, uh, Richard Alpert, who was the uh, professor at, at uh, Harvard, Timothy Leary's partner in crime, he moved to India and changed his name to Ram Das. So <laughs> these things are extremely powerful, you know, and he started doing yoga and meditation and, and that's the route it, it leads you. Kind of opens up the door to realize the power of breathwork and yoga meditation and all of these modalities have been intertwined throughout history. Um, the history of yoga is intertwined with the history of psychedelics, you know, mm. so it's kind of, it's one in the same, or it's different means to the same end, I believe. Yeah. And it, they both link with uh, enlightenment as well. And the history of well, when you add in breathing as well into those things, you've just got, you've got so many elements of, life that it's about perception but it's about kind of uh with this so i was thinking about the i was thinking about one of the other podcasts you did where you're speaking about your peripherals and things when you were on the beach so i was thinking about that 
while also thinking about the breathing and what they all com- combine into in the yoga and your skiing and the flow state and everything is basically shutting off what I would describe as the static of the rest of the world in a variety of different ways. You know, skiing is a very intense focus, like you need to be in the moment here is kind of somewhat forcing you in a positive way but it's like a lot of uh, more extreme sports and things i've done skydiving before and that's the kind of thing where it's like you know you're in this moment you you have to be and that's like a very different kind of flow state and a different kind of uh in tunement and just kind of putting the the blinkers on you know like horses have where you just tune out everything you hyper focus on your present your moment you're not worrying about the past you're not worrying about what's happening in 20 minutes in the future you are purely focused on the now um i think a lot of the elements that you've been speaking about from the breath to the skiing to yoga and uh, a lot of the other parts they all culminate into that just needing to tune out the rest of the world regardless of what part of your life you're in and if it's positive or negative you need that space to just look introspectively and drugs and uh, exercise and uh, breathing are all different ways in which one can look inward instead of consuming um everything from the outside world in the same way yes absolutely 100 percent correct yeah definitely um and you know to elaborate a bit more on that um our brain is is wired to look for trouble to look for problems it's not wired to make us just feel wonderful all the time if that was the case we wouldn't have made it very far for an evolution <laughs> So you can't can't quite be in this you know blissful state a hundred percent of the time. We have to survive, you know. So our brain is wired that way. Um, in our modern day and age, we're not normally, uh, and I think most of the population, under any kind of physical threat. You know, um, our nervous system and our brain, however, believe that we are. Um, you know, our nervous system <clears throat> can't see what's happening so our nervous system depends on our senses on our eyes on our ears on our intuition on you know to to translate what's going on in the outside world and so that the nervous system can act accordingly whether we're in danger and we we stimulate our fight or flight or whether we're safe and we pursue eating and digesting and and um love and procreating things like that you know so what's happened in this modern era is that our nervous system still kind of feels like we need to run from a tiger, you know, that's not quite the case. <clears throat> and so this is the, the case of anxiety. This is the case of chronic stress and anxiety that we live with today, you know, and um, that's normal. It's normal because of the brain and how, what it's meant to do. <laughs> All of these modalities and everything I've jumped into and have researched and how I try and live my life now is to use the knowledge that we have the biology and the physical tools that we have to counteract what the nervous system is doing so we do have a choice you know we used to kind of think that our sympathetic and parasympathetic that that nervous system that reacts when we're in danger or not we used to believe it was autonomous that it just kind of kicks in we don't really have a choice in the matter Um, but we're discovering through science now that we do and so we can deliberately reverse that system through the breathwork. We can induce a parasympathetic state. We can induce a relaxation state, you know, through cold exposure. We can do the same through breathing, through um, simply focusing your eyes, as you mentioned in my other podcast, where I was talking about how your eyes work. And if you, if you can take in more of your peripheral 
that signals to your brain that you're okay because it's kind of like you're on the mountaintop looking out and there's no danger. You can see everything so you feel safe. So your eyes, you can actually deliberately do that. And they've seen in brain scans that that reduces activity in the amygdala, which uh, processes fear and emotion. You know, that's kind of your fear center of your brain. So they've seen a reduction in activity there by adjusting your eyes. You know, so you learn all these tools and then we have to counteract it because if we don't, our default is going to be stress and anxiety. And that's what we're seeing in the world today. So I'm trying to, you know, teach people and empower people and let them teach them that we have immense power within us to do this. And that's what I do. And that's what I teach. And I teach workshops on how to do this. Um, and then you can live a pretty awesome stress-free life, even in the midst of stress. I mean, these times are, are very stressful. You know, mm -hmm. this is, these two years have been the absolute most difficult of my life, just like everybody else, you know? It's, it's, I'm not on some roller coaster ride here that's, everything's easy, you know? It's extremely <laughs> difficult. <laughs> it's been, I can't tell you how challenging it's been, but I do these things every day and so they counteract it and I still feel very happy, great, and generally stress-free. So we have the ability to do that you know mm. and one of the ways in which i think you described on yet another podcast i'm just sneaping bits that i like from all the different ones um is yeah. <laughs> in i think you described it as sort of the color came back in a way in, in one of the sort of metaphors or ways you explained sort of the before the experience on the beach and the after i wonder if you could just elaborate on that a little bit just uh to explain how you're sort of uh, feeling i just liked hearing the way you described it when i heard you another time yeah yeah, that day that we ate the mushrooms, um, that was the day where everything, everything really changed, right? Um, even though it wasn't that strong of a mushroom journey, so we were out on the beach, so we could obviously function, you know, we could walk. And, um, it wasn't uh, a ego-dissolving journey or anything like that, but it was strong enough, and it was strong enough for the euphoria to take effect and 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 to enhance colors. So the first thing I noticed was were the enhancement of colors, um, that the beach was really bright blue, just incredibly incredibly blue that I hadn't really seen in a while. And I kind of started thinking about it and just going into what was going on. And uh, I, at that moment, I just kind of realized, Hey, the ocean, I had been looking at the ocean every day because I was staying in my sister's apartment, which was right across the street from the ocean. So I saw the ocean every day, but I did, it just kind of turned gray. Um, and it's hard to describe, but it was, it, I just started kind of shutting everything out of my world, really. And that was one of the things is the beach in general, because I, I love the beach and I grew up on this beach and I grew up surfing and bodyboarding, you know, all kinds of uh, water sports. And I love it, but I never went in the water. I never, it just became this body of water and then just kind of became gray. Um, and I noticed the, the intense color enhancement all of a sudden, and I just couldn't believe it. I was blown away. At that and i thought okay something happened this isn't the world that i have been looking at you know at all and i thought okay well the mushrooms they do that i know they enhance color so that's what's going on but am i going to go back to that other vision that i just had a few hours ago because it was definitely different and that was just kind of what i was wondering you know we went about the rest of the day and it was wonderful the most beautiful sunset you can imagine and um some other things that happened, but the world stayed bright. It stayed. I remember specifically the next day looking out at the ocean and looking and being really happy, like, wow, it's blue, it's still bright blue. And it just stayed that way. And so the color came back to me and somehow I had lost 
some color vision. And so I cross-analyzed this with a case study that I have in the book for somebody who practices the Wim Hof method. Um, he has his bipolar and he treats and manages his bipolar with the Wim Hof method alone with breath work and cold exposure. You know, he manages ups and downs and all of that. And when I was speaking to him, he told me that the same thing happened to him. He had lost color vision for, I believe, quite a few years during wow. his bipolar before he discovered the Wim Hof method. And then the first time that he had a major breakthrough with the Wim Hof method with the breathing technique, and I believe with the ice cold water as well, um, he suddenly, it, it was just as abrupt as with me, suddenly regained his color. And he was so astonished that he told his family to run downstairs and told his family, I can see color, you know, and they didn't know what was going on. So they thought he was kind of going a little crazy or something, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but that is uh, exactly what happened with me. And so his color returned and then it, it's been that way ever since. So I included him in the book just to, sort of highlight, you know, there's something that happens in the visual cortex sometimes in cases of depression, bipolar, and something having to do with color and color vision. Mm. Almost like cataracts for the soul. It's just like you lose the color of everything around you. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. uh, it can be, yeah, it, I can see how that could, uh, affect someone. And, and thank you for sharing that. And obviously all the other sort of, uh, things that you've spoken about and yep. specifically with the book, then obviously you had these experiences and what was the the catalyst? What's the thing that made you, after having these experiences, think, okay, now I need to find a way to share this with the world? Because now you're on track and obviously you've got your second book that you're working on and documentary is going to be very exciting. But the first thing, you know, most people aren't authors and I'm very intrigued by people's reasoning for deciding to write a book. And obviously yours is about your transformative journey and trying to help people. So I'm very intrigued by, yeah, what kind of tweaked and what made you decide I want to do this? Yeah, well, it was such a profound life-saving experience, you know, um, that I, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that in one day, this depression and the whole life problem that I had, you know, I had a big problem with life and that problem just went away. Um, so I was, I, I was so blown away. I, I knew, and I was aware that there's a mental health epidemic going on in the world. There's a lot of depressed people. There's a lot of people that need help, you know? And so for me, it was obvious that I had to share this somehow, first of all, um, at least just talk to people about it. And you know, I wanted to help others who were where I was. Um, and so that's what started it all pretty much. And, you know, as I mentioned, I was journaling and I was taking notes and doing a lot of research because I was just very intrigued on how, how this is even possible. And I just started writing and I decided really quickly within two weeks, three weeks, probably I decided that I wanted to write a book, you know, and I wasn't sure how to do it. I, I didn't know any authors. I didn't, I'd never thought about being an author. I had no idea how to do it, but I knew that I just had to share it. And I knew that I could write my story and somebody would read it, you know? <laughs> and so I just, I just started writing. Yeah. I pieced it together, just slowly figuring out, you know, by mistakes, making lots of mistakes. And, and uh, it took about two years and I started, you know, this, I wanted to document what was happening as well in real time as it was happening, you know, because I was just had this magical day. And so I knew that I, I was on to something extremely valuable and that this was a journey and that, that I had a new future. And I had, I had a lot of things to learn and a whole life to develop. And so I, I knew it was going to be an evolution 
um, into a different direction, whatever that was, you know, um, it wasn't quite spiritual right away. Although I, I knew that that's kind of where it was going probably. Mm. So I wanted to, to document it as it was happening in real time. And so I started, that's why I started journaling, you know, to capture these emotions. And also I remember thinking like a few months into writing the book, I remember feeling so great, you know, and really every day I felt better and better. I started microdosing to get off the antidepressants I was on and that made me feel really good. And, and I did that for a few months and, and I just started getting like healthier physically and I was skiing a lot. So I was getting in good shape and everything was just getting better and better. Magic. It was, it was almost that feeling of the magic that I lived in Bavaria in Germany back, you know, 20 years ago because I was living in big Tahoe again, skiing and, uh, microdosing and, and it was just so incredible, you know, just so incredible. And um, yeah, that uh, that's where that went. And that was a little tangent. Uh, I lost the I lost the, the question it, that you originally that's asked. Fine. That's completely fine. It was more just like it was. You did answer it. It was more specifically like okay. what made you start the book. So bouncing like specifically yeah, yeah, just to help it. people write, so, yeah. right. And uh, so you did explain it amicably. So it's completely fine. Yeah. And I want to add to that. And so now that you're writing your second book, what have you changed the process in which that you're writing with? Like I know some authors were like, you know, I need to sit in front of a computer for eight hours a day. And others are like, when it, inspiration strikes with this second book, how are you doing it? And what have you kind of learned from the first book? <sighs> yeah, so much, so much. I've still been documenting everything that we're doing, you know, mm. um, and so this book was very researched. This book mm -hmm. was, um, it was four years ago, so it wasn't completely out there yet. So I really felt like I had to sort of prove my, my theories and my hypotheses and things like that. So there's quite a bit of science in this book. Um, and it turned out excellent just, just as I wanted it. Um, you know, but now, now it's kind of out in mainstream and you could find a lot of articles in it now. Um, so this next book, you know, while it is going to be researched, of course, and it's going to revolve around DMT um, because that's the molecule that I have been uh, experimenting with lately. So it's, I want it to be more of a, my personal creative side, though. Um, so while it will be researched, uh, this is going to be more of my experiences over the last two, three years. And my experiences, you know, specifically with DMT and the breath, ever evolving breath work, things like that. So I'm trying to, I'm, I'm going to tap more into my creative side for this. So it'll be kind of a sequel. It'll be the follow-up, um, but more personal mm -hmm. and deeper because DMT is, is really next level. It's, you know, it's um, pretty intense. Um, so the lessons I, I have learned and the experience that I had was really deep. Um, so, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and tap into that realm of um, just the existentialism and the big questions that are sort of answered uh, during these experiences and then try and make that more creative. Mm. And you're planning on releasing uh, or the, the, the ideal goal is to have the book ready around the time that the documentary you're um, creating ready yeah. at the same time and kind of have them as a, uh, a multimedia project. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I've been working on the documentary for a few years, a uh, few months after the mushroom journey. Um, I made it eventually down to Mexico to Oaxaca where I started filming. And so, you know, I started that like three years ago. Um, and then recently I was just down again. So it's been about a three year documentation of the journey. Um, mm. 
and and that's yeah i've also been working on the concept of the second book because the idea was sparked in mexico during the dmt retreat a few months ago so that's where it was sparked and as that revolves around that experience um then yeah they're both kind of coinciding with this whole mexico dmt thing Mm, that's amazing and like i i know about dmt to a degree and i've always been intrigued by it um one element of it specifically like i know this is going to go down to somewhat of a rabbit hole um but with dmt something that's always intrigued me is ego death is is that something obviously if it's going to spoil the book or the documentary uh then don't necessarily give me the spoilers but with ego death is that part of your intrigue into dmt or your influence into what draws you there or just anything about either ego death or what the kind of thing about dmt draws you specifically ever since i started the breath work um i've been interested in dmt so i've mm-hmm. been really interested in it since you know since the beginning of all of this of the whole journey um you know i've, uh, I've really have dove deep into the breath work and and how it works and all that and so that's what really captured uh, my interest. So it's been a, it's been quite a few years. You know, I didn't really experience exogenous DMT. I didn't um, the Bufo or five MEO DMT. I didn't do that until recently. And so, but since I had felt endogenous DMT through the breath work, um, it was a familiar feeling. So for me, it was sort of an experiment to see to kind of prove to myself, you know, that we do induce DMT to see what it feels like, because it's a very strong feeling with the breathwork. And so I wanted to compare the first time I smoked Bufo, which mm. is the toad, the Bufo Alaris toad of, um, of Northwest or Northeast Mexico and Southwest US. So it has a poison on its skin and then you dry the poison and smoke that. That's 5-MeO-DMT. Um, and so the first time I did that, it was a very intensive course, but it was a familiar feeling. And for me, that time that I did that, now that was about a year and a half ago, I believe. Uh, that was in Tijuana, in Mexico, actually. Um, DMT is a, is legal in Mexico, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that, yeah. So DMT is not a controlled substance down there. But that feeling uh, was very apparent. It, it was it was the same feeling of the breathwork, just times a thousand, you know. And so for me, it was kind of kind of proving that that hypothesis. Um, because science right now hasn't really done that with humans. You know, we've seen in rats that they, they produce TMT when at the time of death, when they die. And that's what they believe happens to all mammals. That's what they believe happens to us. Um, the experience itself is a feeling of sort of, of death, of, as you mentioned, ego death. Um, but it's more than that. I mean, it's physical death. It's, it's unification with, with the infinite, unification with consciousness and becoming merging with the one consciousness you know so so the whole death birth cycle is something that has intrigued me as well throughout this whole journey and and you know as it should uh this path and these the questions that arise when you stumble across mushrooms and things like this are the big questions in life that we don't really um, pay too much attention to in modern day you know the that the, just the thought of why we're here of the nature of reality you know, of what the universe is um these questions that seem to not be important anymore in, more, in modern society but you know they are important <laughs> and so the this is the realm that you go into and inevitably you will start thinking a lot about death and, and life you know and so i believe that's also just the natural evolution of the spiritual path um of course as we age and get 
closer to that point, you're going to think about it more, you know, and, and it becomes very fascinating. Um, and I think that's one of, one of the reasons definitely that I'm so intrigued by DMT currently is it's a very important molecule. It's a very important part of this death life cycle. And, um, it's, it's so deep and interesting and powerful and that it's never ending. I mean, I, it's, when you get into that realm of, of what is reality and what is death, what is life, you know, uh, I believe it's just an infinite, um, ever increasing body of knowledge that we acquire. And it's, fa- it's fascinating. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the blurred lines of reality and when uh, one takes certain psychedelic substances, you know, you've the what you feel is this meat vessel of this physical being that you class as you compared to what everything else is the other of the air or the ground or whatever depending on what uh psychoactive substances one takes depends on to what degree you feel the it's almost like when you have a a drawing and like the lines that change from the color of something to something else you've normally got uh standard a black line that splits those and it's almost like taking those away and having that almost if you envision your own body like having the lines of it that kind of uh keep it in amongst what you kind of feel and control and when you take certain substances yeah it just kind of takes those lines away so you kind of feed into it be it uh with things like mushrooms or psilocybin with truffles and etc when you get the the breathing element of it where not just the breathing method you've described but where everything feels like it's breathing it's like it's an experience that you know i have gone through in the past and it's one of those i have pondered with uh like fungi and fungi uh is the core reason why life is on earth it's you know when you delve into the the very deep diving into you know mycelium and how it's like used as a connective network for plants and things to communicate on and how it's like spores of fungi i always swap between fungi and fungi because several people say it differently i can never figure out which one but um how important they were for spreading nutrients and allowing trees to like swap nutrients and all these kind of elements that we don't even understand of how important fungi is and how if a human consumes certain ones it can be nutritious it can be deadly but also with ones with psilocybin in it can completely change one's own perspective of life and my theory in some ways is maybe when if uh psilocybin is there just to be good and helped and useful in all those ways when one takes it it makes you connect with everyone around you and experience love in a more intense way and make you want to be better and like this experience of yours obviously it was a combination of things but the psilocybin was definitely an aspect of that and how that has as your sort of book says how that completely changed your life and maybe it's the the fungi itself down to its core just trying to improve life on earth in a really simplistic way of thinking about it and maybe that's why one feels that way obviously in a less scientific way but um yeah i just think that what you've been saying and all this and all the experiences that you shared have been incredibly uh important for people to hear and that especially with your openness with your experiences with these substances uh, i want to thank you for those absolutely yeah absolutely um you're totally right about that you know the mushrooms are sort of the agents of change Mm. they are what transform death into life um that's their job that's their mission is transformation and you know coincidentally we have these receptors in our bodies that are like a lock and key for not only psilocybin but ayahuasca you know the bufo toad so many um different molecules uh from nature that provide us these tools for change 
I believe the same thing that um, perhaps this is what's needed right now to infiltrate, you know, the mushrooms kind of need to infiltrate the human mind and reduce the egoic thinking because uh, it, it seems to me that the problems in the world are just a manifestation of egoic thinking of um, focusing on individual and not the collective, you know, uh, and that's gotten us into quite a bit of trouble in a lot of areas. <clears throat> and, and that's precisely what they do, you know, they, um, and, you know, another very important message that I want, I'm trying to portray with this book is that uh, a lot of times people, you feel like you're stuck, you know, you feel like you're in a situation or like, as I was, I was depressed and I couldn't get out of that. You know, I can, I can change that. <clears throat> and using these agents of change, you know, it, it's, I'm showing that it's very possible. And, and that's actually, I remembered what I, um, when I went off on that tangent earlier, um, I remember what I was going to say that a few months into writing the book, I thought that I need to write down the the darkness because I was still having kind of nightmares and having, I was still that person. I remembered the memories. I remember the emotions of being depressed, right? But it was dissipating so fast. I was changing so rapidly that I I was thinking I need to jot this down and to jot down my feelings of how, of this emptiness that sometimes comes and goes because it's going to be gone soon and I'm not going to be that depressed person anymore and if i'm not that depressed person anymore how am i going to write a book about depression and i literally had to do that i had to write you know one of the reasons i started writing the book so early to write down the thoughts of that person because i couldn't do it now I, i'm not that person anymore i can't even step into the shoes of that depression you know so you literally do you can change as a person who you are um even as so, insofar as a personality, you know, if you think that people are just the way they are, uh, that's not true at all. We, we can change our personalities by using all of these modalities, you know. Uh, I don't think people realize how powerful that is, you know, sometimes. Mm. Yeah, that's the power of introspection uh, with or without sort of uh, psychoactive drugs, with uh, the breathing method, any of sort of the tools that you've uh, elaborated on in this conversation, you can use any one of those to assist mm -hmm. you in introspection and then finding your way better being... <laughs> I almost got away with not coughing the whole time. I knew... I, I said at the start, I've got a, a cold or a cough and I was so close to getting to the end of the podcast that I was saying it's a sorry business. <laughs> but, I got mine over. That's why I got mine over with at the beginning. <laughs> um, but I, I agree with you completely. Like all the things that you've, you've explained that people can use to help transform their life and the path that you've now chosen to go on is a very selfless one and it's also a very honest one. And I think more people need to hear about it. And, you know, I could sit here and talk to you about... Um, various psychoactive substances and all kinds of things literally all night uh because it's yeah. Oh, yeah. the two things that intrigue me a huge amount um are uh, religion and drugs they're two key things that i find very intriguing was spirituality slash religion and drugs on the sense of they're kind of the polar opposites one is kind of looking outward for answers and one's looking inward and i'm just very intrigued yeah. by the various different kind of uh you know the very minor differences between certain religions and the major ones and same with different drugs and where they come from and all kinds of things i could talk about it for hours or for oh, <laughs> lots of documentaries oh, i'm very intrigued yeah. by so i'll have to have you back on the show because i could hear with the passion with dmt like i could just have a whole uh, conversation on the spirit molecule and etc so you know open invitation and is recorded so uh it's it's really? out there it's gonna be out there on the internet uh for me and so you'll definitely be able to come on the show again be it 
if you just want to come on and talk about a specific thing or if you want to um when your next book and documentary and things are more ready you're more than welcome to come on again but before uh, we just close off this conversation please is there any sort of um final statements you want to tell people and then after that we'll get into sort of plugging and links and etc so just anything last sort of word you want to tell people yeah yeah um my main message overall as simply as i could put it is that uh, we are in a little bit of a pickle you know when it comes to humanity and evolution and there's things that we can do you know it's hard to solve the big problems in the world um it's hard to tackle everything and take everything on but to act you know globally you have to act locally to to solve the world problems you have to have locally and what we have that we can do is as you mentioned earlier is look inwards you know to to see what it is that you can do to elevate yourself you know if in theory if everybody in the world um did that just kind of chose one thing to improve about themselves or just got a little bit healthier with breath work um it would have a, a chain reaction it would have a trickle effect where you start elevating people around you and you know the undeniable truth that we we feel very deeply to our core during a, a psychedelic experience is that everything is connected that we are all connected we are all one we are one you know and you feel that and so you're going to affect everybody around you and so um my message is just uh you know see what it is that jibes with you as far as um getting to these states these altered states or just get, getting to know your consciousness um getting a little bit healthier um but looking inward is going to uh eventually translate into helping outward you know so we have everything and we we have all the that's what the book's about all of these extremely powerful tools to do that to elevate yourself beyond your why i'm just talking about you know just little tiny improvements but what i'm working on is beyond the wildest dreams i've ever had you know so we have the potential to go so far beyond what you think is possible um and that's what i try and spread that's perfect that's absolutely wonderful so i'll make sure i include links in the description uh for any like your website book all those sorts of elements social media and etc um but please tell people where they can find you and i will just add here i'll include a link uh to the uh, uk and us amazon as well because on there people can check out um several pages of your uh, book as well and i really recommend people check that out and have a read through just to get a taste of it and then obviously pick up the book you know you definitely want to do that but at the very least if you can listen to this and you enjoyed this conversation at the very least follow on social media and then uh, check out the parts of the book for free so please uh, gerardo tell everyone all the links and everything that you want to tell them and i'll make sure they're in the description as well absolutely yeah my website is the title of the book takingbackmymind.com so the book is taking back my mind so just go to takingbackmymind.com and i have all the social icons there i'm on facebook instagram twitter youtube linkedin all those you can pick your favorite social right there from the website um i have a blog on there uh this podcast will be on the podcast page on there Thank you. um i do breathwork workshops and retreats that i'm working on i will have an events page there soon too um in san diego i'm currently doing breathwork workshops and then i'm going to be co-hosting a um I've developed this workshop called Ascension where it's a combination of um psilocybin so microdosing psilocybin with breathwork and meditation and yoga and an ice plunge um and it, it's been an incredible success and I love doing it so I'm doing it in San Diego and so I'm going to bring this workshop to Yosemite to co-host um a, a retreat up there that's happening in a few weeks if anybody's interested um that will be on the website as well and that's where you can find everything about me takingbackmymind.com that's wonderful and I will say to and the talk event on there as well 
Perfect. Uh, yeah, well, people can keep to up to date with that. And I will say they need to check out the merch store on there because the little mushroom icon you've got and some of the merch you've got, the caps, beanies, uh, long sleeve tops and T-shirts and hoodies as well, I think. I love them. I went through them as like, at the moment, I'm in the midst of buying a house and things. So I'm just like, we went and signed the contract today before this conversation, actually. So hopefully everything is going to be sorted in a week or so. But I was like, oh, because my my girlfriend, Megan, she's really into... um, mushroom things now she's not done any psychedelics yet she hasn't done any but um she she's just very interested by it. she used to pick them she's a half italian so her dad and her used to pick them when they were younger and um, right. well when she was younger and just cook them and eat them and she she's there's a lot of things that she likes at the moment which have got like little mushroom earrings and that sort of stuff and i saw yours and i was like i love those there's lots of cool little i'm not going to just say them all but people need to check out your merch store as well as you know everything else you've mentioned because i really really liked the merch and i've bookmarked it to make sure i do pick one of those up because they are very cool and it works in a way that it now the best kind of merchandise is stuff that even if you don't know the brand is still a cool enough thing to wear right regardless and you've right. nailed it where it's like brand and also it looks cool regardless so yeah, i want to commend yeah. you on that as well uh your merchandise thank you so much you know uh i appreciate that because i forget about that a lot of times <laughs> there's so many different <laughs> there's so many facets to what i'm doing i'm doing the oh, yeah. and doing the documentary and the book and this and that doing these podcasts and i forget that i started a merch line um and yes thank you so much because i i do like them they are cool they're funny they're they're putting out a good message um, and they help fund everything I'm doing. So please, if you, if you want to help and help um, me develop the things that I'm trying to develop, you know, I'm trying to open a psychedelic healing retreat in Mexico uh, by next year. So that's what I'm going to do in a few months here. Um, so all the merch shirts, hats, all that stuff, all the proceeds for everything that I sell and do, everything goes back into these uh, projects, you know, um, to the second book and the documentary and the retreats. So please get some merch. Um, it all goes to back to the same cause wonderful a true altruist it's uh it's brilliant well it's been absolutely delightful speaking with you um i'll hang up this call but I, i'll stop the recording rather but i won't hang up the call yet um but yeah it's just thanks again so much for coming on the show talking about um your book and your experience and being so open with it and honest uh, that's one of the things we love on this show uh, people just being open and honest as much as they're comfortable doing it's, it's something that really helps uh, others listening who are going through similar experiences and potentially need some guidance or just other opinions to really help them get through life because there's no guide to life unfortunately there's just things we can kind of try yeah. to do so just thank you I, I really appreciate it absolutely thank you so much this has been such a pleasure um and you know i love talking about this stuff and i love spreading knowledge and helping however i can helping people feel better so thank you no worries at all and that's the end of the podcast thanks as always for tuning in my friends make sure you check out gerardo's social media and his website and that sample of his book as i mentioned links to all of those are in the description and me and gerardo will probably have another conversation again around a similar sort of topic going forward i think probably by the end of the year so obviously make sure you subscribe and then you will not miss that whenever it drops So what else have we got in the pipeline? Well, next week I am speaking with a gentleman who is an author. That's all I'm going to say at the moment, but I'm sure it'll be a delightful conversation. Uh, And then I'm going to have Ben from Star Wars Timeline on the show. We're going to talk about the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series and a few other bits and pieces of our regarding that. We're probably going to release that on both his YouTube channel and on this podcast feed, so look out for that. There's a few other things in the pipeline. I'm hoping to get a few more musical artists on the show as well, because I haven't had as many of them recently. I've had quite a few authors and stuff, so... uh, 
yeah, that's the general idea. I've got a few other things going on, but nothing really worth mentioning without ruining it. So uh, that's kind of what's coming up. Um, but some of the other ways you can get a hold of me, well, I've done a few guest spots here and there, but obviously there's my other show, Star Wars Comics in Canon. So if you haven't checked that out, you can either check it out on my YouTube channel of Genuine Chit Chat, where it's got all the episodes of Genuine Chit Chat on there. Some I've got videos, some haven't. There's also the Star Wars Comics in Canon episodes on there, which are all in playlists, just like the Genuine Chit Chat episodes are. So it's a great place to start if you're new to the show. And if you want to get into my Star Wars stuff as well, because all my Star Wars things, you don't need to have read a single comic in your entire life, Star Wars or otherwise, to enjoy any of the episodes of the show. I've specifically crafted it just so any Star Wars fan, whether or not you've only seen the movies, or if you've seen every single piece of Star Wars content and read everything, either way, there is still a lot of stuff that you can take from the episodes that I've released. So please consider checking that out if you are a Star Wars fan. However, if you're not that into Star Wars, or if you already tune into Star Wars comics and canon, but you want more from me, then I do have a third podcast, but this third podcast is hidden behind a paywall. It is my afterthoughts show. I do the majority of episodes with my girlfriend Megan, and we release an episode once a week. We do it on a wide variety of things. Sometimes we go on road trips or holidays and release an episode. We did like a 40-minute episode on Malta the other day because we went to Malta about uh, a couple weeks ago. We've also done movie reviews, TV reviews. We've seen live performances, so like uh, Les Miserables and Book of Mormon and things. So there's lots of those sort of bits and pieces, like an insight into our life. I also release on there some Star Wars book reviews that I don't release anywhere else. Some are legend stuff, some are canon. I also have done a couple of comic reviews on there that are non-Star Wars related too. Just basically anything that I'm consuming or thinking about or doing, I'll often put on the Patreon. So there's at least one episode of Afterthoughts that comes out every week on there. And on this feed, whenever there's a two-parter that drops, obviously I release them in two parts, you know, part one for one week and then the second part the following week. On my Patreon, you get both parts in one unsplit episode when part one drops. And when that happens, I do also release an extra episode of Afterthoughts on my Patreon as well. But if you're unsure, if you're on the fence about things, there is a link in the description to one of the free Patreon episodes I've released. You can just click on the link or just type in bit.ly slash TomHanks1 and you'll be taken to the episode where me and Megan have watched Tom Hanks' movie Big. So in this year, we're planning on watching as many Tom Hanks films as possible, watching them chronologically. We start with Big and we the most recent one we released was Sleepless in Seattle. We've then got Philadelphia to do and also Forrest Gump. So lots of cool things there. So there's loads of reasons for you to subscribe on Patreon. And to clarify, it only costs £1 a month. So you'll get hours and hours of additional content, early access to things, exclusive content you can't get anywhere else, and a look behind the genuine chit chat and styles comics and canon sort of wall and you get to see a little bit more of mine and megan's life so uh yeah please consider checking that out please subscribe to my youtube channel link to that is in the description and also please follow me on social media at genuine chit chat please review on good pods or apple podcasts or on spotify or anywhere like that we can give ratings and things or share on social media tell your friends all those sorts of things and um yeah that's gonna be enough from me so so thank you as always for tuning in i appreciate each and every one of you listening And I'll be back next week with my conversation with an author. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.